Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Patrick Pelzel with Pelzel Harvesting, Inc. in St. Lawrence, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are all loaded up and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, this has been a tough year for Texas dairy farmers. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas High Plains farmers are having to do a lot of thinking on how to respond to the challenge of vanishing groundwater. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The state of animal health in Texas from the new state veterinarian. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have his comments straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan from Marshall, and Techie and Hunting Spot seems to be the activity of the week for most of our producers. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Milk prices have rebounded somewhat from their summer lows, but they have definitely done some damage to Texas dairy farmers. Darren Turley is the executive director of the Texas Association of Dairymen. He says low prices combined with two years of drought has taken a toll. We were fortunate in the fact some of the record milk prices came when we had a drought. So our producers had money to buy hay from other states and truck it in and from further distances. It wasn't good news, but you could survive. This year, that's not been the case. Uh, everybody, as far as nationally, felt the prices drop this time, and everybody's impacted by it. But Texas has it worse with this drought situation and these feed costs. And so our break-evens are worse than most other states, even though everybody's having a bad condition. We have a bad feed condition that they don't, much less the bad milk prices. So, uh, yeah, our producers are kind of looking at maybe uh, December, uh, January, you're, you're, you're at break-even, maybe positive, depending on what your feed situation is. And uh, that would only be break-even by all means it's not making money still so it's still uh, not a not a lot of anticipation of getting a lot higher and not going to get generate a lot of money but uh, get you back where you're at least cash flowing turley says we've lost some dairy producers in texas this year with the total number of dairies dropping below 300 for the first time four texans have been elected to positions on national corn growers association committees 
Texas Corn Producers Executive Director David Gibson says Texas farmers serve a vital role on NCGA's action teams and committees. He said as advocates for the Texas corn industry, they bring different perspectives and voices to continue pushing forward national efforts that will benefit the industry. The Texans elected to NCGA positions are Lindsay Bowers of Inez. She's been named to the Market Development Action Team. Robert Gordon of Dalhart has been named to the Corn Political Action Committee. Aaron Martinka of Buckholtz will serve as a member of the Risk Management and Transportation Action Team. And Russell Williams of Dalhart will serve as the Stewardship Action Team Vice Chair. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Texas High Plains farmers are facing the challenge of vanishing groundwater. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. As the Ogallala Aquifer continues to decline, every year we hear Texas High Plains farmers expressing frustration over the fact that they're losing irrigation capacity. When I talked to one of those farmers, Barry Evans of Cress, I asked him if he has any estimate of how quickly his groundwater is dwindling. My farmer math and rule of thumb is that we lose about 10% per year. It's, it's kind of what I figure on my farm over a long period of time. It seems like you kind of stabilize for a few years and then you get a dry year and it really drops. And it might be more than that. Some years it's less. But over average on, on my farm, I fear we lose about 10% a year. And for Evans and his fellow producers, dealing with less water means having to continually strategize how they're going to make it season to season. Everyone is really looking to see as our water declines, what are our best options? For Barry Evans, one of the options he's pursuing is moving more and more of his production to dry land. And he also says crop rotation can be very beneficial. My crop rotation is typically a cotton sorghum. We do have some rye and done some wheat and various things, but I do believe a crop rotation is so important. And the reason why is that if we have a high residue crop, when we do get rainfall, we capture that rainfall and it helps to hold it. It helps the infiltration rate and it also keeps our evaporation rate down. So I'm a staunch believer in crop rotation. I'm also no-till. Anything we can do to save moisture, just a little bit of moisture, just makes a lot of difference. Barry Evans of Cress with some thoughts on managing our groundwater situation. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Animal health is in a pretty good position across Texas, but there are some issues to deal with. Tom Nicoletti visits with the new state veterinarian. My guest again today is Dr. Lewis Bud Dinges, the new state veterinarian and executive director of the Texas Animal Health Commission in Austin. What is your assessment, Dr. Dinges, of the current animal health situation across Texas? Well, I think we're we're sitting in pretty good shape. Um, of course, we've we've got uh, the feral hogs that we we deal with on a daily basis, and as far as their uh, destruction of the property and then farmland and pasture land and then you know any diseases they may transmit, they do give us quite the headache from time to time. We're we're dealing with high path avian influenza from around the the neighboring states right now. The migratory birds get moving south for the winter, and then we have uptick in in avian influenza from neighboring states. So that's a a concern that we're dealing with right now. Now, even though the uh, drought 
here in Texas has diminished somewhat lately. Uh, how has the prolonged drought impacted animal health in any uh, way, shape, or form? Of course, we don't like to see the weather extremes at all if we can keep from it. I know we dealt with drought back in the mid-90s and then 2010 and 11. And the last couple of years, we, we've, we've seen some, some drought conditions. And as far as impacting the animal health, it really hadn't, hadn't done that, that I can tell. But, uh, you know, we do have the uh, spring run at the livestock markets that extended into the into the summer months more so than it would usually do and, and you know made for longer days at the at the markets for our inspectors that's kind of what we've been dealing with as far as the drought goes here in the state on the animal health side that is the new executive director of the texas animal health commission and new state veterinarian dr bud dinges i'm tom nicoletti with the texas farm bureau radio network Deer season is in full swing in East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. As I check around this area for news in agriculture and from producers, front and center right now is checking the deer stands, checking the trails that the deer travel, knowing where they're going, along with herd checking. Maybe, you know, just a few more round bales that need to be moved into storage, and we're just about done for the winter other than just kind of keeping a close check on our livestock because we are having some problems with uh, pests and predators here in this area of East Texas. Now, we did not really have the seeds. We had them, but we didn't have the seeds that we have in the past from the army worms that moved across the land and in the hay lettuce. But right now, it's deer hunting season, and folks are looking to that, not just for the sport of it, but also for the profitable day hunting leases and the gun, you know, day guns, stuff like that that we use here in this area on leasing our farms and pasture lands out for hunters to use. Many of our folks don't have big hunting leases to get on, so the farmers and ranchers have picked up a little extra income the last few years, and they've learned how to do that very well. Now, the rainy days that we've had here just recently are just really well appreciated. We love it, and it's kind of put us in the mood for all these festivities that are about to take place in the month of November and December. And don't worry about it. We're still hunting hogs at night because we can do that legally and slow down a little bit because we want things quiet to get the deers in a good mood or to move about for us here in the East Texas area. So that's just about it as far as agriculture is concerned. But hey, we're just really enjoying this beautiful weather that we are having. I'm James Duncan from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission met last week to consider several CWD-related rules, including a statewide deer carcass disposal rule. I'm Jessica Dolmo, and I'll have more on the fate of those rules coming up on Texas Ag Today. And now's the time to preg check spring calving beef cows. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. 
We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Now is the time to pregnancy check spring calving beef cows. Dr. Bob Judd says you have a few options. Checking your cows for pregnancy is really important as you do not want to feed open cows over the winter. There are three methods for pregnancy determination in cattle and these are rectal palpation, reproductive tract ultrasound, and blood testing. Dr. Rosalind Biggs from Oklahoma State Extension indicates at feedlotmagazine.com that a 2017 survey indicated that 19% of the herds used rectal palpation, 9% used ultrasound, and 3.5% used blood testing. Rectal palpation is the most common method as the cow is examined rectally by the veterinarian. Pregnancy can be determined as well as an approximate expected time of calving. Ultrasound is another option that can find pregnancies as early as 21 days and is helpful to determine pregnancies just a few weeks after breeding, but is really not needed this time of year when examining spring calving cows as they should be in advanced pregnancy. One advantage of ultrasound is that the sex of the fetus can be determined if the ultrasound is performed at a specific age of the fetus. This does require a veterinarian with lots of experience to determine the sex of the fetus. Blood testing is the final option for pregnancy testing, and the test detects pregnancy glycoproteins in the blood, unlike human pregnancy tests that detect a pregnancy identifier in the urine. This blood test can usually detect pregnancy as early as 28 days, and the test can be performed shoot site or sent to a lab. The advantage of rectal palpation and ultrasound over the blood test is the vet can determine the age of the fetus and can make sure the fetus is alive. The most important thing is to make sure you do have your cows checked for pregnancy with one of these options. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission met last week to consider several CWD-related rules. Jessica Normal has more on those rules in today's Wildlife Report. After receiving more than 4,200 public comments, hearing more than an hour of public testimony, and an hours-long informational briefing, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission opted late last week to table several chronic wasting disease-related rule proposals. The proposed statewide deer carcass disposal proposal, which would give hunters three options to dispose of deer carcasses, was one of the proposals that was tabled. Here's Commission Chairman Jeffrey Hildebrand. Chronic wasting disease is of the utmost importance and requires our full attention. We dedicated several hours yesterday to listen to technical experts discussing CWD, and it became evident to me that there is still much debate and uncertainty surrounding the science and best management practices in this area. It is clear to all of us that we cannot ignore the impact of CWD and must take deliberate and thoughtful action to address it. However, such action must be considered in light of the impact the regulation would have on all stakeholders. Hildebrand proposed tabling these provisions. 
One, reproduce the statutory provisions governing the required permanent identification tags on breeder deer. Two, provide for the transport of deer carcasses from CWD management zones to a final destination or taxidermist provided a Texas Parks and Wildlife Department TPW-issued check station receipt has been obtained. Three, impose statewide carcass disposal measures. Four, impose a residency requirement on breeder deer as a condition of transfer to another breeding facility or to a release site. Five, prohibit the release of breeder deer prior to April 1 of the year following birth. Brand said although they tabled those rule proposals, they will come back and take a thoughtful look at them. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures continue to tumble lower. Tuesday was no exception. Sharply lower closes on both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle dropped another 255, closing at 178.77. February down 355 at 178.42. April live cattle dropped $4 to close at 180.60. Same thing on the feeder cattle. November feeders dropped 495 at 232.22. January feeders down 560 23082 with March feeder cattle down 585 23325 cash fed cattle still quiet for the week no bids or asking prices to report boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday choice up 69 cents 30241 select up 36 cents at 27072 now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest in the alleyway this morning, Rodney Butler, Beeville Livestock. Sells them so well down there in Beeville on Friday. Rodney, how many noses did you count? Uh, that was real good. Market was sure enough stronger and quality of the cattle were better, so that made it all good, sir. Sounds like it's good all the way around. Tell these folks just how good. All right, we had 599 head of cattle, one horse, and 11 goats. Like I said, that old market was sure enough act. Your two to 300 pounds steers were 226 to 316, heifers 205 to 260. 300, 400 pounds steers 237 to 320, heifers 218 to 250. 400, 500 pound steers 237 to 275, heifers 219 to 246. 500, 600 pound steers 219 to 257, heifers 207 to 226. 600, 700 pound steers 215 to 253, heifers 197 to 217, and your 700 to 800 pound steers were 191 to two and a quarter, and heifers were 181 to 195. 
I think her cows were a little softer this week. They brought anywhere from 55 to 97 cents. Bulls brought from 89 to $1.14. Stocker cows brought anywhere from 79 to $1.31 with some bread cows dollaring out around that 13 and a quarter. And the few pairs we had brought 700 to 16 and a quarter, sir. Good. Do you know of anything for this next Friday, Rodney? I know of a few bunches of cattle coming in uh, this next week. I didn't know we were going to have this many this last week. We had quite a few packer cows. I thought, I think we'll have a good run again this next week. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you in Beeville, Rodney Butler. Yeah, call me at Cell Barn, 361-358-1727, or y'all can reach me on my mobile, 645-5002. Rodney, thank you so much. Thank you, and take care. Bye-bye. Neighbor, looks like that's all the time they're going to give us here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for Walking the Pins. You're listening right now on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market where lean hogs finished steady to higher on Tuesday. December hogs up 50 cents at 72.90. February up 7 at 76.02. Class 3 milk finished lower. December milk down 23 cents at 16.88 weight. Cotton market finished lower. We've seen a lot of drops in this cotton trade over the last couple of weeks. In fact, since the first of the month, December cotton has fallen over eight cents. Now, we do have a couple of reports coming out this week that traders may be keeping an eye on. We have the regular Thursday morning export sales report to look at. Also, the November WASDE report, the World Agricultural Supply and Demand report coming out on Thursday. Pre-report guesses call for cotton production to be 12.73 million bales, down from the 12.82 million reported in October. December cotton dropped 152 points, 76.48. March down 155 at 79.31. May cotton down 151 at 80.49. Grain markets also taking a drop on Tuesday. December corn down eight and three quarters, 468 and a half. March corn down nine at 483 and a half. December Kansas City wheat down 13 and a quarter at 632 and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas down nine cents at 317. December West Texas crude dropping 343 at 77.39 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 95 points, 34,191. The Nasdaq jumping 152 points at 13,671. The S&P up 19 at 4,385. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.